Joshua chapter 1, good job girls, Joshua chapter number 1, he should be our only desire, amen, what a blessing, Joshua chapter number 1, if you found it and you're able, if you stand out of respect for God's word, Joshua chapter number 1 tonight, Joshua chapter number 1, we'll start reading in verse 1, we'll read down through verse 9, Joshua chapter number 1 tonight, verse 1 down through verse 9, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for which you've already done for us today, God, we thank you for how you've spoke to us from your word. God, again, the blessings of the day, uh, just again, getting to sing praises to you and hear praises sung to you. Lord, the fellowship among your people, God, what a blessing it's been. Father, I pray tonight once again that you would just empty me of myself, fill me with your power, use me as a tool in your hand to deliver your message. God, again, I don't want to be seen or heard tonight, Lord. I just want to be used, Lord, to preach to these uh, folks, Lord, what you gave me to preach to them. Lord, I pray that you would help your word to have free reign and free course in this place. God, I pray that we would all be receptive, God, and obedient. God, that we would not just hear your word, but we would do it as well. Lord, that we would leave here closer to you because of what took place in this church tonight, Lord. God, more like the Lord Jesus Christ because of your word that found good ground in our hearts and helped us to be more like him. God, bind Satan from this place. Lord, help us to leave here different than we came. God, changed by your word. Lord, we didn't come tonight just to check a box or just to pass some time. We came to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that that's what would take place tonight. And God, have your will and way in each of our lives. We'll give you the honor, glory, and praise for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. The title of the message tonight is simply this, Achieving Spiritual Success. Achieving Spiritual Success. And so the idea is, if you wanted to be successful in any arena, and we could talk about a lot of them tonight, uh, you're going to... Whatever that area is, the person you have access to that's the most successful in that area is who you're going to want to talk to. No doubt about it. If it's something simple like trying to repair something, you find something, someone that knows something about it. 
Uh, again, uh, if I want to fix a car and I know someone that knows a lot about fixing cars, they're who I'm going to talk to. I'm not going to go talk uh, to a salesman about how to fix my car. That's not their expertise. I'm going to find the person that knows the most they can about the car. If it's my house and I have to do something around the house, uh, I'm not a handy individual. And so whatever I've been able to figure out is from talking to people and watching YouTube videos. Amen. But if I had access to somebody there who I'm going to talk to, when it comes to life's work or what you want to do in life, when you determine uh, this is what I think God has for my life, you're going to find someone else who's done it and done it well and talk to them. As a preacher, uh, I relish the opportunity and just enjoy when I get to be around other preachers, other men of God, especially those that have done it for a long time. It's not that I don't enjoy being around preachers my age and younger, I do, but I especially enjoy being around older preachers. Why? Because I can learn and glean quickly from them because they've obviously fought the battles and fought the fights and they've won them and God's used them. And, and so those are the kind of people we look at and talk about when we want to know what to do. Here in our text, we know that Joshua is getting ready to take the lead of Israel. And the one that talks to Joshua about how to achieve spiritual success is God himself. I'd say it's a pretty good source. I'd say it's a pretty good source. If Joshua could have asked who to talk to. Now listen, he had worked under Moses. The Bible says that here he'd been Moses' minister for a very long time. We know that. He was Moses' right-hand man. Uh, he's the one that helped Moses. He's the one that was there learning from Moses, being trained by Moses. And again... What an amazing example that would have been. What an education that would have counted as. Again, he got to watch and learn from Moses. He was taught and trained by Moses. The Bible has much good to say about the man Moses. And no doubt God used Moses in an amazing way, and we know that. But even greater than the example of Moses, when it came time for Joshua to step up and, and be the one to lead Israel, was God himself taking the opportunity to speak to Joshua. And that's what we have here in the first nine verses. In verse number one, it tells us after the death of the Moses, of Moses, not the Moses, that the Lord spake unto Joshua. And so God speaks to him. And I know that we can hear the Lord when we read his word. He speaks to us from his word. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we speak to him when we pray, but God no longer speaks in audible voices. The Bible makes very clear that when that which is perfect has come, which is the word of God, that which is in part shall be done away with. So God no longer speaks in visions and dreams and audible voices. And you say, well, I've seen or I've heard. Uh, I would just tell you, according to Scripture, God doesn't work that way. You might have eaten something bad before you went to bed or something like that. Uh, but God doesn't speak that way anymore. God speaks from His Word. And if He has something to say to you or say to me, He says it from His Word. But in Joshua's time, the written Word of God was not completed. And so God would speak to them in an audible way. He would give them visions and dreams. And so God comes here speaking to Joshua. This really, uh, if you would think about it, would be like Moses' experience from the burning bush. God knew that Moses had a big task ahead of him, and so God made sure that he met with Moses out of that bush. And he talked to Moses audibly, and he got his attention with the burning bush. The bush was really not what was there for Moses. It was hearing from God. But God used the bush to get his attention. Well, here in Joshua chapter 1, God doesn't use a bush. He just starts speaking to Joshua. And as he speaks to Joshua, he tells him a lot of things. And we'll get into the outline here in just a minute. But there's some things he says along the way that are important just for us to understand by way of introduction. First of all, I like how he deals with Joshua. Uh, we live in a day and time where uh, most people uh, need to be handled with kid gloves is the term we would use. Uh, they need to be coddled and have themselves patted on the back and told how special they are and how wonderful they are. And, man, if you say a cross thing to somebody, they're going to fall apart and all that sort of thing. 
Can I just tell you there's nowhere in the Bible that we see God deals with people that way? That's not how God dealt with people. You don't believe me, look at verse number two. Here Joshua is, he'd served under Moses for years. I promise you he loved Moses, he respected Moses, he looked up to Moses. Moses was his mentor. No doubt he mourned the death of Moses. Yes, he would have understood why Moses died. Yes, Moses' sin is why Moses died and why he didn't go into the promised land. The Bible chronicles all that for us and Joshua would have known that. But nonetheless, he's hurting and he's grieving over the loss of Moses. And we see and wonder, well, how will God deal with that? And how will he make Joshua feel better? And how will he coddle him and comfort him? And, well, look what he says in verse 2. Moses, my servant's dead. Real compassionate. No, God's just speaking a matter of fact. Moses was dead. What he was telling Joshua is, he's gone. Moses has already gone off the scene. Moses, of course, had ended his life here and would be awaiting the Lord there uh, as he was with the saints that went on in the Old Testament. We understand all those things about what the Bible teaches about that, but he was no longer alive. God doesn't come to Joshua and tell him, I'm sorry, but I feel bad for you. How can I make you feel better? How can I comfort you? No, he just says, Moses is dead. Yeah, but this is God. Don't forget that. This is not someone with no tact. This is the creator of all the universe. This is the one that knew what Joshua needed to hear. Joshua didn't need to be coddled. Joshua didn't need to be his hand held. Joshua didn't need to be made feel better about the bad situation. Joshua needed to understand who he was talking to. And if we'd be honest before God tonight, that's what we need more often than not. We don't need to be coddled. We don't need to have our hand held. We just need to hear the truth of God's word. So God says to Moses, or to Joshua, excuse me, Moses, my servant's dead. What he was saying is it's time to move on. It's time to get over it. Life's not over just because Moses is gone. He's dead. Now you need to arise and go over Jordan. And he begins to say some things to Joshua. And he says something to him a couple of times in this text. He says, be thou strong and very courageous. Why? Because God knew what he had for Joshua. Joshua didn't have an easy task ahead of him. Yes, Moses would have been the trailblazer as the leader of the Israelite nation coming out of Egypt. We understand that. He led them through the wilderness. God used him to do all those things. Uh, But God never let him go into the promised land. He let him see it, never let him go in. Joshua would have to lead them in battle against all the pagan nations of the promised land. And God knew that. And so God said to Joshua, you need to be strong and very courageous. It's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be an easy life. You need to know that right now. You need to be ready for what's coming. He makes very clear in verse number 7 that he needs to observe to do according to all the law. That means he needs to be obedient to the word of God and what God says. And we'll look at that here in just a minute. And so he says all these things. And then in verse 8, it's really we're going to focus the message tonight. I'm going to take all of our outline from verse number 8. And in verse number 8, God explains to Joshua how to achieve spiritual success. Now, if I was to go around the room tonight, and I won't do it, we don't have time, but if I did, there's no one in here that would say, my goal as a Christian is to be a failure. There's no one that would say that. There's no one in this room that would say, when I wake up every morning, what I hope for my Christian life is that I fail miserably. That's foolishness. None of us would say that. No, all of us desire to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou to the rest of the Lord. All of us desire uh, to please the one who chose us to be a soldier. All of us desire uh, to be uh, successful as Christians is the word we would use. Success is an interesting thing. As far as the scripture is concerned, verse 8 is the only time in the entire King James Bible the word is used. It's not in the Bible any other time. And how God looks at success, spiritually speaking, is very different than how the world looks at success. 
even spiritually speaking, the world would look at success in spiritual situations based on tangible outward things. A church would be considered successful by the numbers they grew to. A preacher would be considered successful by how big of a church he was at. I'm talking secularly. I'm not talking about God right now. I'm talking about the way we look at things. And we would look at it that way. Parents would only be seen as successful as much as their children went on to be successful. And we just see success that way, and that's how we judge it, and that's how we look at it. Webster defines the word as the favorable or prosperous termination of anything attempted. (laughs) The favorable or prosperous termination of anything attempted. But in terms of spiritual success and achieving spiritual success, it all boils down to one thing, and that is our obedience to the Word of God. Spiritual success has nothing to do with anything else. And God makes that very clear here in verse number 8. Several things tonight, stay with me, as we preach through this verse and what it talks about. The first thing God makes clear to Joshua, if he was going to achieve spiritual success, is you must consume God's Word. You must consume God's word. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. You must consume God's word. Go to Job 23 with me tonight. Job 23 with me. You must consume God's word. I know you're pastor and so I know you hear often as well you should that you need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to read it through. You need to read it often. We need to consume God's word. Why is that so important? Because God tells us it is. Because God tells us it is. And here in Job chapter 23, a very familiar verse, but Job here makes a statement that's very powerful in verse 12 when he says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. Talking about God here. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What Job was saying is the word of God is more important to me than the food that I eat. Now listen, we all like to eat. And we all take care of ourselves, meaning we make sure that we eat. None of us, by choice, uh, miss lots and lots of meals. That's not our habit. No, we want to make sure that we eat and we have strength and we have sustenance, we have energy. And Job was saying more important than any of that is the Word of God. It's interesting for Job to say that because you have to understand that uh, according to historians and the historical uh, records of things, Job is likely the oldest recorded book in all of Scripture. Arguably, it's the oldest recorded book in all the world, not just the Bible. And so Job here would have predated what you and I understand to be the written word of God. So God would have spoke to Job differently. And yet Job understood the importance and Job understood how much it mattered to get the word of God more than his food. How much do we consume God's word? You say, well, I'm faithful to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Praise the Lord, that's great. So you only eat three times a week? Physically speaking? No, we can tell looking around the room that's not true. We need to consume the Word of God often. We need to be daily in the Word of God. It needs to be important to us. Most of us eat uh, anywhere between two and three times a day. At least that's what we'd admit, amen? We need to eat the Word of God. We need to consume it. We have to consume the Word of God. We have to read it. We have to read it. You say, when I read the Bible, I don't always understand. I don't always get much out of it. I don't always listen to me. You need to read it anyway. Because the Bible talks about the Word of God and how it washes our mind And literally the filth and the dirt that gets on and in our mind from just living in this world. You say, how do I wash that off? By reading this book. 
And it goes over and it takes the dirt out and it cleans out our mind. And you may walk away going, I'm not sure I got a whole lot. But if you read the word of God, I can promise you this, it cleaned your mind up pretty good. It's what it does. We need to read it. We need to read it. We also need to study it. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study the word of God. We need to read it, but we need to study it. We need to know what it teaches. We need to know what it says. As Christians, as believers, that's the command for all of us to study God's word. That's what he expects. You say, well, the preacher needs to study. You're right, he does. But so do you. We all need to study the word of God. Not only do we need to study it, we need to memorize it. The Bible talks about in Psalm 119, hiding God's word in our heart. so We might not sin against God. And you say, well, I can always read it, and I can look things up, and it's on my phone, and it is. But God commands us to memorize it. And there are those circumstances where you may not have ready access even to your phone. Those are getting less and less, but we need to memorize the Word of God. It needs to be hidden in our hearts because that's what the Bible tells us. We need to memorize His Word. We have to consume God's Word. It has to be important to us to consume it. God said that to Joshua day and night. Not only do we need to consume God's Word, but God's Word has to consume us. Not only do we need to consume God's Word, but God's Word has to consume you. Go to Psalm 119 with me. 119th psalm the entire psalm longest chapter in all the bible 176 verses the entire psalm its theme if you will the subject of psalm 119 is the word of god that's what the whole psalm is about 176 verses devoted devoted to talking about the word of god referred to as precepts statutes commandments and in some of the verses just word but it talks about the word of god it has to consume us psalm 119 verse 148 the bible says this mine eyes prevent the night watches that i might meditate in thy word talking about spending time even late in the evening meditating on the word of god now the word meditate when it's used in scripture literally means to ponder to think about even almost to talk to yourself about not literally you don't have to walk around having an out loud conversation with yourself that's not what it means but it's the idea of just being consumed by the Word of God, not just consuming it, not just eating and putting it in us, but letting it consume me once it's in there, letting it capture my thoughts, letting it capture my attention, letting my mind dwell on it. Listen, uh, we need to let our mind dwell on the Word of God, because if not, it'll dwell on a whole lot of other things it doesn't need to. Meditating on it. A picture of meditation uh, would be that of how an animal chews its cud. I don't mean to be gross tonight, but that's literally the idea, and why do they do that? Well, they do that so they can get all the nutrients out of what they eat. And those ruminant animals, that's what they do. They, they eat it and they swallow it and then they bring it back up and chew on it some more. Why? Because they can get more out of it. That's how you and I need to treat the Word of God. It shouldn't just be read and forget it, heard and forget it. No, we need to meditate on it. When you hear preaching on Sunday, it ought to go with you all week long. When you read your Bible in the morning, if that's when you read, it ought to go with you all day long. We need to let the Bible consume us. We need to think about it. We need to think about it. We think about a lot of things during the day. Do we think about the Word of God? We should. We need to consider it. We need to consider it. What does it have to say in this area or that area? We'll look at that a little more in the next point. We also need to dwell on it, to dwell on it. Our mind ought to dwell on the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, for he trusteth in thee. We ought to keep our mind on the Word of God. We ought to dwell on it. He told Joshua that his success, spiritually speaking, what God was going to do in his life, 
was dependent upon the book of the law. That's the word of God. It should not depart out of his mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. He goes on and says that thou mayest observe. That thou mayest observe. We'll stop there for just a second. Number three, you must consider God's word. You must consider God's word. Go to James chapter 1 with me. James chapter 1 tonight. We have to consider God's word. James chapter number 1. We have to consider God's word. James chapter number 1 and verse 22. The Bible says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, that's the Bible, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The picture here that God gives us, the illustration in James chapter 1, is we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. There's a lot of Christians that hear the Bible a lot, and that's where it stops. They hear it Sunday school, they hear it Sunday morning, they hear it Sunday night, they hear it Wednesday night. They may even faithfully read it and hear it every day when they read the Bible. But if all you ever do is hear it, it's not doing you any good. It's not doing you the good that it needs to. Oh, it can wash out our mind, we understand that, and that's good. But the good God wants it to do is to conform us more to the image of Jesus Christ. And for that to happen, we have to be doers of the word. We have to apply it. We have to let it work and let it make us what God wants us to be. He gives the picture of looking in a mirror and walking away and making no changes. You ever looked in a mirror and found something that needed addressed? Food in your teeth? A hair out of place? I have that problem all the time. Something not right with your clothes. When you see it, what do you do? You fix it. Unless you're a junior high boy, and then maybe not. But when you see something in the mirror, you take care of it. Why? Because it's made clear that I need to fix this. My hair's not where it ought to be. Nowadays, that's becoming intentional. I understand that. But used to, if your hair was out of place, something's sticking up, you want to make sure it did not stick up. Food in your teeth, you get rid of it. If your clothes not right, not straight and neat, you fix them. Why? Because you saw in the mirror, I need to address this. That just makes sense. But you know, the Bible here is looked at like that glass, that looking glass, like that mirror. And how often do we look in it, see things, and not do anything with it? Not do anything with it. We have to consider God's word in every circumstance. There is no part of life as a child of God that the Bible does not apply to. Listen, we very much in this modern day and in 2023 want to take our life and segment it off and we want to look at uh, this area and say, well, God, this is what you have to do with, but these parts of my life really have nothing to do with the Bible. That's not true. As a child of God, every part of my life, day in and day out, every decision I make, everything I do, I need to consider God's word. I need to consider God's word in every circumstance. There's no circumstance of life where you don't need to consider the Word of God. There's no circumstance of life where you don't need to consider the Word of God. Sometimes it may seem like a common sense thing, but you better get God's mind on it because He may want you to do something else. If you could have asked Joshua, who we're talking about tonight, before the Battle of Jericho, what do you think God's going to want you to do? I guarantee you, no doubt in my mind, as sure as I'm standing here tonight, he would not have said anything even remotely resembling what God told him to do. 
So God, how are you going to defeat Jericho? Joshua would not have said, or jo- Joshua, how are you going to defeat Jericho? He wouldn't have said, well, I think we'll march around it once a day for several days, then march around it a whole bunch of times, and then blow some trumpets and shout a little bit. We'll just see what God does. That's not what he would have said. I promise you what he would have said is, we've got to figure out some way to get over those walls so we can defeat them through those walls. And I haven't figured it out yet, but maybe we'll throw some guys up. Maybe we'll use ropes. I don't know what we're going to do. That would have been his plan. And yet God told him, no, march around once a day. And then on day seven, march around seven times. Blow the horns, shout, and I'll take care of the rest. Again, that's not what Joshua would have come up with. And if we're not careful as Christians, we take things for granted. And we think, well, this is obviously what God wants me to do. You don't know that until you ask him. When the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, that means that God gives you the steps. Not that you pick your steps and ask God to bless them. That's backwards. That's backwards. We have to consider his word in every circumstance and in every decision. God is concerned about every part of my life and all the decisions that I make. We have to consider him. We have to consider his word. We have to consume God's word. We have to let God's word consume us. We have to consider God's word. Number four tonight. Back in Joshua chapter number one. Just going through the verse tonight as God gives him the way to achieve spiritual success. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. The fourth thing of how we can achieve spiritual success is we have to conform to God's word. We have to conform to God's word. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30 with me tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We as people, and just the way that our mind works, we are people that prioritize and categorize and uh, put everything in life in lists of importance. We just do. This needs to be done first, and then this, and then this, and then this. And I'm going to get all done I can today, but if I don't get it all done, then these things will move to the next day. It'll be okay. And that's how we do things. That's how we think about things. If we're not careful, that's how we approach the Word of God. I mean, these things are the most important, but then these... No, 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 listen. It's all important. Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It all matters. Every bit of it. Every word. Jesus said it this way. Not one jot or tittle shall pass away. You say, what's that mean? Those are Hebrew punctuation marks. I'm no Hebrew scholar. I don't speak it. I don't read it. I've never studied it. But those that do will explain to you that a jot and a tittle are smaller than punctuation marks in English. What Jesus was saying is every little bit of it matters. It's all important. And if we're not careful today, we look at the Word of God and we would say, well, these ten things are really what's important. And then the rest, we can, no, 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 no. It's all important. And God expects us to live by all of it and allow all of it to govern our life. And we have to conform to all of it. There's no such thing as unimportant things in Scripture. Well, I mean, God just needed to fill pages. I don't think any of us think that. But we live that way sometimes. Well, I mean, this is obviously not as important. Hold on a minute. Who determines that? It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. You can't pick and choose what matters and what doesn't cast out what you don't like and really focus on what you do no it's all important deuteronomy chapter number 30 look at verse 16 it says in that i command thee this day to love the lord thy god to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments what's he talking about there the word of god all those things in scripture refer to the word of god 
And what he was saying here in Deuteronomy was that the word of God mattered. It was important. It had to be what they lived by. It's exactly what he was talking about. We have to conform to God's word. God's word has never and will never conform to us. I mean, the Bible, we just need to figure out a way to make this relevant to the times. No, we don't. It's the word of God. It's, the same. it's how God wants it to be. It's forever settled in heaven, the Bible says. And we need to understand that we have to conform to it. It will never conform to us. God's plan is not that it conforms to us. We have to obey it always. We have to obey it always. Well, I mean, surely there are certain situations where, no, no, we have to obey it always. Parent, have you ever set your children down and said, you have to obey me all the time except? No. What you say is you have to obey me all the time. Why would we think our Heavenly Father was any different? Well, I mean, there's some big things that, no, 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 obedience is obedience. I don't look at my children when they're disobedient and go, well, that's not a big deal. I'm a, no, that's not how it works. They need to learn to obey me without question. Why? Because they're the children and I'm the parent and that's how this works. God is no different. We have to obey him always. We have to obey his word always. If God said it, I said that this morning, it settles it. We have to obey it always. Not only do we have to obey it always, we have to follow God's will. We have to follow God's will. It's put that way, and the way we understand it, to follow God's will is because he gives it and then we do it. Following God's will doesn't mean I come up with an idea and ask God if it's okay. That's not following his will. No, following his will is to find out what his word says and to do it. And then when his word is not specific, to find Bible principles that apply to the situation and then follow them, we need to follow God's will. God made very clear there in Joshua chapter number 1, speaking to Joshua about how he could achieve spiritual success. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. All that is written therein. It's very clear there in verse 8. None of it can be accepted out. Made exception of. I mean, some of it's probably not as important as others. Well, then God would have said, thou mayest observe to do some that is written therein. That's not what he said. All that is written therein. Why? Because it's all important. 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's all profitable. Every bit of it. You say, well, come on, the genealogies, they're profitable. There's lessons to learn there. The lists of names, they're in there for a reason. They're profitable. The these and nows, God did it that way for a reason. It's all profitable. It's not for you and I to decide what is and isn't profitable. That's why he said to Joshua, all that is written therein, all of it. You don't get to pick and choose. Follow it all. You have to obey it always and follow God's will. Lastly, tonight, back in Joshua chapter number one. Back in Joshua chapter number one. You want to achieve spiritual success? We have to consume God's word. Let it consume us. We have to consider it. We have to conform to it. If we do those four things, God's word will compensate us. God's word will compensate us. Look at the end of verse 8. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Listen, it's no coincidence here tonight, friend, that the only time in all of the Bible that the word success is used is here in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, after God has given several instructions to Joshua about how he has to relate to and use the word of God. That's when God says, if you do this, then you'll have good success. 
your way will be prosperous. You'll have good success. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We were just there. Verse 16, going to look at it again. Deuteronomy 30, 16. We read what they were to do. But look at the end of the verse. That thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. God will bless them when? After they've obeyed his word. After they've obeyed his word. God's word will compensate us. It will bless us. It will bless us. If you allow it, it will guide us. It will guide us. Psalm 119, the Bible tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What's that mean? It'll guide us. It'll show us how to go. It'll show us the next step. God will bless us. He'll guide us through his word. And his word will make us spiritually successful. Spiritually successful. As we close tonight, there's no question tonight if we went around the room before the message and I could ask everybody, we would all say, I want to have spiritual success. I want my Christian life to be considered successful. I would love to be able to look back at living for the Lord and say I was successful. God told Joshua in no uncertain terms four things he had to do to have that spiritual success. And now that we've looked at what the Bible has to say, the question remains as we close. Do you want to succeed spiritually in your life? Do you want to succeed spiritually in your life? If you do, it's all about God's Word. It's all about God's Word. It's not about results. It's not about those tangible things that people look at. It's not about what anybody else thinks about whether or not you're successful. It's not about whether or not anyone else in this life considers you spiritually successful. It all boils down to, have I obeyed what thus saith the Lord? And if I have, then the Bible makes very clear that God will make sure I'm spiritually successful. If we live God's way, we can have spiritual success. God help us all to do that tonight. Let me have every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a minute, we'll have an invitation, another opportunity to respond to the Word of God. Again, when God's Word is open, we know He speaks. The question at this part of the service should always be for everyone that knows Jesus Christ. Lord, how did you speak to me? And how do I need to respond? If God dealt with you in such a way tonight that you respond, need to respond, and maybe even come to the altar and make a decision, obey the Lord tonight. Don't wait, just do God's business as we sing. God, we love you, we thank you for tonight, we thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for you, Lord, giving us all that pertains to life and godliness. And God, in your word, making very clear, as you spoke to Joshua, what it takes for us to have spiritual success. Lord, if we want to achieve it, all we have to do is obey what your word says. Help us to do just that tonight, Lord. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to leave here and let it make us what you want us to be, to change us, Lord, to affect us to change our behavior, to change our thinking. Lord, help us just to be those that have a prosperous way and have good success spiritually because we do what your word tells us to do with the word of God. Bless this invitation. If decisions need to be made tonight, Lord, I pray that people would obey the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Stand with me and turn.